0: This is Word and Table, a podcast about liturgy, sacraments, and the great tradition of Christian worship, and why it is vital in our world today. I'm here with Father Stephen Gauthier, Canon Theologian of the Diocese of the Upper Midwest in the Anglican Church in North America, coming to you from sunny Oak Park, Illinois. Welcome, Father Stephen. Uh,
1: thank you. It's good to be here today. Thank you, Alex.
0: Yeah, my name is Alex Wilgus. I'm the uh, I'm a lay catechist, which is kind of a fancy word for pastor at Logan Square Anglican Church in uh, Chicago, Illinois. And this is the very first episode of this podcast, um, but I don't want to take up too much time on introductions um, and really just dive into the meat of it. And uh, really what I want to do, Father Stephen, is just tell you what it was like to enter an Anglican church for the first time. See, I didn't grow up in the Anglican church or in any any church even quite like it. I grew up in the Southern Baptist Church um, in, in, in a small town in Northeast Texas, and it wasn't until I was about a teenager that I went to my first Anglican service. Um, my family was kind of searching, on, kind of on a search for uh, other spiritual traditions and um, we ended up, by the way, converting all together uh, to the Anglican Church. But the first time I walked in, I was kind of bowled over by how much stuff there was that I was not used to that I had never seen before. There were candles and there was a big altar. Uh, The the pastors weren't in suits, they were in robes. Um, And there seemed to be special names for for everything. And I I guess uh, not only that, but uh the congregation it seemed to be doing so much more than i i was used to i was used to going in singing a couple of songs sitting down and listening for most of the time and then standing up and singing another song and le- and then leaving but uh in these services there were a lots of things to recite people were standing up and sitting down so, maybe you could first talk about how, how do we what 's going on there? why is there so much stuff, and why is there so much activity in, in, in a service like this, and what 's the reason behind all of that?
1: Well, your reaction I, I assure you is is not unusual that's probably, everybody has that reaction, I suppose, when they first come to an Anglican church and the reason for it all is we 're people you know we are body and soul, and the Greeks had this idea, which common to a lot of people that somehow what we treasure in ourselves, our emotions, our feelings, our beliefs, are somehow incorporeal. You know, they're they're out there. They're spiritual. Incorporal meaning not of the body. Not of the body. That everything really good about us is there. And that somehow the body, the Greeks felt, was sort of a terrible accident. That somehow our souls had grown trapped into this body. And the Christian view is, the Jewish view, is exactly the opposite. That God made us body and soul. It's interesting, of course, in the book of Genesis that, you know, the, the body existed before there was sin. So this is not somehow the penalty of sin. The body, God made us body and soul. That's who we are as people. So we are embodied beings, and that's how we express ourselves. So we know that people are very physical. We're affected by, by things around us and what we do. Uh, we could simply say, of course, to someone that we love them, but we all know that why do we hug people? Why do we say, why do we, um, why do we kiss our spouse? Why do we jump up and down when we're happy or something? Why do we sing for joy? Is being physical beings, this is how we react. This is a way that we communicate. Uh, this is who we are. And the same thing, what we look at is, or how we dress, as we all know that we feel different when we dress certain ways. You know, we, we dress certain ways. We, our reactions towards people, we'd be surprised if a police officer wasn't dressed as a police officer. You know, our reactions would be different. So it's just simply matter matters. It's simply in our worship we accept the fact that people, are body and soul, there's nothing less spiritual about physical things. And that's part of who we are.
0: That, that, that makes a lot of sense. So that was, the, that, that was the first thing that impressed itself on me, uh, just how much stuff. But secondly, there was this— um, so much of what went on was not entirely spontaneous. It wasn't different from, from service to service. Uh, it seemed like everyone was reading off of the same script. A lot of the prayers came from a book, the Book of Common Prayer. Um, and so I guess my second question is, why so much ritual in the service? Um, why, are things, why are things done by a, a pattern?
1: Well, it's how we live together, I suppose. Again, we don't see worship as something that we, when we gather together, we're not just worshiping individually and happen to be next to each other. It's something we do together. How do we stop from being siloed? We come together and we're doing our own thing as a power to, how do we worship God together? And I guess this would a question you could ask at the ballpark. You know, there's a lot of liturgy, so to speak, at a baseball game, is people know that uh, when the when it comes with the uh, national anthem, people know to rise and people sing gustily with it. you know uh, uh, people know the seventh inning stretch, they, they sing "Take me out to the ball game," they know there are things that one does together, they know when the wave goes through, how they're supposed to do it. it's a way of actually being part of not just being a spectator but actually be participating. So it's actually a way, how do you participate as a group? How you, instead of looking at what other people are doing and being in your own world, how do you do this together? And so if you have the idea of how a baseball game works, in some ways you'd understand a lot of how liturgical worship operates. It allows people to do things together.
0: So it's, it's, it's about
1: inviting people to participate in the service? Right, exactly. It, it, we all had this experience in all of our traditions as Christians. All of us know the Lord's Prayer, the Our Father. And one of the beautiful things is at any moment we can pray that together and we can pour ourselves into it. We can be doing it identically at the same time. Now, it's true. Anything that we can do like this can become very empty form.
0: That's actually something I wanted to bring up. There was a lot of suspicion growing up about ritual, um, because it was, and it was always this thing. It said it would become, it becomes just kind of a going through the motions and your heart is not in it. If you give yourself over to, to ritual,
1: um, how do you, how do you respond to that? Well, that's a very valid criticism. It's certainly, that's true of many places. That certainly is, is beyond doubt. I'm very proud of being an evangelical Christian, I've worshipped in a lot of evangelical churches outside of my tradition, and I have to say, I think the same problem faces all of us in worship. I've seen a lot of spontaneous prayer that people seem to be going through the motions. I think that's more a function of how we come to worship God than it is of the means we use to do that.
0: Yeah, I I, I definitely remember how certain prayers, even though they were extemporaneous, seemed perhaps less inspired
1: than others? Well, they're liturgical in this sense, that very often with pastoral prayers, for example, we're told, or many of us are told, here are the four points when you pray a prayer, make sure to cover these points. So there's nothing bad about those things. They're really good things. You know, we think of thanksgiving and supplication. Those are good things. But like any good thing, we can either... Allow God to make them what they should be, with the fullness of our hearts, or we can just go through the motions. That's sort of a human failing. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I guess the the final question I have for you for this episode is um, that how much of it is really essential? How how much of this is uh, important, and which things can be um, sort of moved around, or eliminated, or adjusted
1: at will? It's interesting. In the beginning of the Book of Common Prayer, in every edition. Um, starting with our, uh, our very earliest prayer book in the, in the uh, 16th century, there's a beginning saying that all these things are simply, uh, as far as the there are many elements, are simply a matter of, of time and custom. I would compare it to this. It's like anybody who celebrates Christmas knows that the one essential thing about the actual celebration of Christmas, everyone has a Christmas tree. Now, how one decorates the tree, there are all sorts of different variants of how that's done. But the fact is it all comes down to the fact it really wouldn't be Christmas without a Christmas tree. You know, some people, it's all the same, or very artistic. Some people have ornaments from every year from the children. But it's, it's very different uh, from, uh, you know, for people. The essential element is the tree. What one puts on it is, is different. And so in the, uh, we go back to, to Jesus. Uh, the heart of our ritual goes back to Luke 24, says that Jesus on the very night of his resurrection, he encounters two disciples who are distraught they were let down they felt that they just knew that they the crucified jesus they said we would put all our hopes on him we thought this was the messiah we seem to have made a mistake we did make a mistake and jesus walks along the way and it says he started you know telling them all the things he starts going through the scriptures starting it says with moses and going through the prophets all the things about himself and they said you know their hearts burned with them and they stop spend the night as we in and when they stop they have dinner together they eat together and they recognized Jesus in the breaking of the bread. He had been with them all day, and they said, "We should have known it. Our hearts burned within us." But it's only in the breaking of the bread we knew that. And that's the heart of the Christian liturgy, uh, Sunday liturgy from the very earliest times, is the combination we call uh, the, the Word and Table. Is we we study the Word of God. We all we, we study the Word of God together, and then we 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 sit at the table. We come to the table and participate in the in the Lord's Supper. But those are the tr- really true, uh, two essential elements. Now, the various there are components of all of these in our traditions and things, but essentially it comes down to the, the word and table that those make up there are the essential core. Well, thank you, Father Stephen.
0: That's all the time we have for this episode. And thank you for listening to Word and Table. We will be back next week with more on liturgy, sacrament, and the great tradition of Christian worship. If you'd like to write to the show, you can send us an email at wordtablepodcast at com. Father Stephen and I are happy to take your questions about anything related to church history, theology, or liturgical worship and answer them on the air. That's wordtablepodcast, all one word, at com.